Hey, welcome to episode number 182 of More Than Bread, where our top conviction, at least related to this podcast, is that getting into the Word of God, and even more importantly, allowing the Word of God to get into us, is a consistently vital, day-by-day necessity, a necessary discipline of life. And if we want to thrive, we need more than bread for our stomachs. We need the bread of life for our souls. We, we need every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're in the midst of a chapter that I've called Paul's Letters from Prison, written while he was in a Roman jail awaiting sentencing, realizing that when the sentence came, it would most likely mean that his days were soon to end. And and in that context, that setting, Paul wrote some pretty amazing words. God breathed words inspired by the Holy Spirit in some letters to friends. And, and the first one up is his letter to his friends in the church of Ephesus. And we're in the midst of chapter four. And remember I said the first three chapters of Ephesians are, are filled with theology and doxology, what we should believe in the glory of God and, and this description of Christ and everything that's true about us and God. And, and the last three, chapter four, five, and six, are filled with a practical so what? Here's what you should do. Now, before we dive into the passage for this episode, I want to start with a little bit of a test, a pop quiz of sorts. In fact, if you're able, grab a sheet of paper. And and if not, um, just do your best to keep track in your mind. Okay, I have two sets of five questions. You don't have to write the questions down. Just write, you're going to write names down. Two sets of five questions. Here's the first set. Name the three wealthiest people in the world today besides Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. That Those two are too easy. Three wealthiest people in the world today besides Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. Second question, name two people who last year won the Nobel or Peace Prize or the Pulitzer Prize. Two people who last year won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize. Number three, name two players from the Penn State team that last won a national championship. Penn State football team that last won a national championship. Number four, name an Academy Award winner for best female actor from the last four years. Any any of the last four years. And finally, number five, name last year's Miss America winner. Not not just the country, probably won't get that either, but but the name. So how'd you do? I mean, think about this. The people whose names answer these questions are no second-rate achievers. They're top people, best in their fields. But you know what? Applause dies, awards rust, and achievements are forgotten. And 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 probably um, you, you didn't pass that test. <laughs> okay, second set of five. See how you do on this one. Number one, list two teachers or coaches, because for me it's coaches, List two teachers or coaches who made a difference in your journey through school. But they come right to mind. Number two, name two friends who have helped you through a difficult time. Probably not hard to come up with those two names. Number three, name somebody in your life that you look up to. Somebody whose life has inspired you, made you want to be a better person. But that name comes fairly quickly. Number four, think of five people you enjoy spending time with. Write those names down. And number five, name a person who's made a difference in your spiritual journey. I bet those names came a little bit quicker, right? What's the point? I'm assuming that the last list was easier and probably more correct. So ask yourself the question, what does it mean to be a person of significance? 
I'm going to use that word a, a bunch in this episode. The most significant people in our lives are not always the ones that are most well-known, most celebrated, richest, or most powerful. They aren't necessarily the ones who impacted many people a little bit, but more often they're the ones who impacted you deeply. The theologian Augustine once said that adulthood actually begins when we start asking ourselves the question, how do I want to be remembered? What legacy do I want to leave behind? And the stuff that stirs within your heart, the desire to become someone of significance, listen, that's a gift from God. It's his confession to us that we are spiritual beings with a purpose, that we have a destiny, that he's created us for good works. In his book entitled Halftime, Bob Buford describes his journey to become a person of significance. He shares how he came to a point in his life where he'd achieved a a measure of success greater than anything he'd ever dreamed, but he still had this sense of something missing. It was actually the tragic death of his son that caused him to take a closer look, and ultimately it, it led him to focus on significance over success. What do I mean by that? Did Bob Buford decide to quit striving for excellence? Did the death of his son lead him to a a place where he would accept mediocrity? No, the, the difference between success and significance is not the difference between excellence and mediocrity. It's the difference between pouring your life into things that will count for eternity versus pouring your life into things that don't last. See, if we want to be remembered for eternity, we need to pour our lives into activities that will last for eternity, like loving people and and the shape of our hearts and God. We need to have a walk that's worthy of our calling. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, challenge you to walk in a way that is worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God, so be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, putting up with each other in love. See, Paul is simply describing a life of significance. And again, in in verse 17 of chapter 4, when he challenges us to no longer walk like those who have no relationship with God, the Gentiles, instead to be different, different thinking, different feeling, different minds, different hearts, different purposes, and different goals. Walk, in, in fact, he said, be so different that you're like a whole new creation, Learn Jesus, model Jesus, be like Jesus, do like Jesus. Let your life be saturated with the word of God. Basically, Paul's describing a life of significance, the walk of someone who will make a deep impact in the lives of others. And and in this episode, we continue that description with these words in Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And, and, And listen as Paul gets as specific and as practical as he can be almost more specific than we want him to be. (laughs) Paul writes, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. In fact, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a space, it gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, you know, there, there's a handful of scriptures that I go back to over and over again to pray through. This one here in Ephesians, there's another one in Colossians, there's others, Psalm, uh, others in the Psalms. Primarily, I, I go to these chapters to let the Spirit of God convict me where I need to be convicted. And, and so I, I pray, Lord, give me eyes to see what you see, and, and then I, I read. I read through the, the chapter, stopping wherever it's necessary to pause, ponder, confess, and repent. And, and I encourage you to do that with Ephesians 4 and, and 5. Let me just break out three of those things that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks and caused me to, to pause and ponder and confess and repent. Three steps that are, that are part of a worthy walk. First is to take steps of integrity. Stop telling lies. <laughs> That's what Paul says. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for all, we're all parts of the same body. It, it's a little wooden, but actually the literal translation here is not so much stop telling lies, but actually put off the lie. Put off the lie and speak true. Put off the lie and speak true. We put an emphasis on what we say, but Paul's counsel goes even broader. He's not just saying tell the truth. He's saying be true. Be true. Be a true person. It's it's not just authenticity. You know, in recent decades, there's been a cry for authenticity in the church, right? We've responded to the world's charge of hypocrisy by calling for authenticity. And, and authenticity says, let people see what's really in your heart. Don't cover up the inside. Let your outside actions match the inside. And and authenticity is good. But, but think about this. Sometimes what's in our hearts kind of needs to be covered up, right? I mean, because it can get pretty ugly. There's people who are in prison because they were authentic. They were letting their outside actions accurately reflect their heart. Hypocrisy probably would have been better for them and for the people they hurt. Reality TV is authenticity without God. Alone, bare naked, real housewives. The more authentic they are, the more we like it. But, but no one wants to be like that. You know what? There's some stuff in our hearts. There's some stuff that you hung out with in your mind last week, some actions we contemplated where if you or I acted on what was in our hearts, we, we could bring incredible hurt to ourselves or the people around us. So what do we do? We have two options. We can either take the religious way and regulate our outward actions in the hopes that no one will look at our hearts. <laughs> That's not good. Or we can choose to follow hard after Jesus, aiming at a heart transformation from the inside out. That's integrity. See, integrity calls us to be true, not just transparent. Let the outside match the inside, but let the inside be true. Like Paul says in verse 13, become whole, complete. That's integrity. Integrated wholeness. Integrity, integrity comes from having a whole heart. Integer. That's where we get the word. Integrity comes from having a whole heart that reflects God's heart. Integrity is keeping promises and fulfilling expectations. Integrity is knowing the lines we will not cross. Integrity, integrity comes from having a whole heart that loves good. Paul says it matters. Did you ever promise to do something with or for your, your kid, your child, your son or daughter, but then something more important came up? Did you watch their eyes when you told them you couldn't do it? That's integrity. Does it matter at work if someone always comes in late, leaves early, and does a sloppy job? Is that okay? Ask someone who's experienced a, 
a date rape or an absent father, as someone who, who had stock in Enron or a student who got in trouble because someone next to them was cheating, ask them if integrity matters. Be true, Paul says. And, and secondly, handle your anger. Take steps away from anger. Paul says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Paul doesn't say don't sin by getting angry. Anger is just a natural human response. But don't hang on to it. Don't let it gain control over you. Don't even let the sun go down while you're still angry. Deal with it in the day, in the moment. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. It gives us space. It gives access to Satan. You know, it's interesting, both of these descriptions of becoming more and more like Jesus reveal ways in which our enemy, the devil, tries to derail us. Jesus said that Satan is the father of all lies. He stands against truth and against integrity. And now here in these two verses, we find the devil is very much at home in angry hearts. I mean, try to worship sometime. Try to experience the presence of God with anger in your heart. And ask yourself, is my life marked by the desire to resolve conflict and reconcile relationships, or am I more interested in hanging on to my bitterness? Am I, am I more interested in reconciliation than I am in being right? You know, I, I would say to you, oftentimes we, we can choose to figure out who's right, or we can choose reconciliation, but we can't choose both. Paul says we shouldn't even let the sun set on our anger. And yet, how often do we sit back and say, give it time. (laughs) Time will take care of it. Time heals all wounds. Does it? I mean, if it does, then God is wrong and we can't trust him. So let me ask you, who are you angry at today? Who most easily makes you angry if you're not angry at this moment? I mean, ask God to bring someone to mind. It's a person. Maybe it's a parent, a child. Someone who frustrated your goals, hurt or offended you, someone who infringed upon your rights, or maybe God is going to bring to mind someone who's angry with you. And then finally, integrity, anger, and generosity. Finally, take steps of generosity. Am I walking in grace? Paul says, let those who have been stealing steal no longer. Stop it. (laughs) Instead, work. Why? So that you can save up? No, so that you have something to share with those in need, so that you can be generous. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And and don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So just ask yourself, am I walking in grace and generosity? Am I taking steps of generosity or or am I a thief? Don't steal work. Why? To save? No. To to have a a, a better lifestyle? No. To provide for you? No. To give. See, Christ turns burglars into benefactors. And it's not just finances. I mean, in many ways, the currency of, of our generation is time. Early retirement is the equivalent of hitting the lottery. But just as theft is not limited to money, grace is not limited to generosity. Paul calls us to be grace givers, not simply with our resources of time, talents, and treasures, but also with our speech. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And you know that the word in the Greek for unwholesome is really too pleasant for what Paul is talking about. The Greek word means rotten. It's used of spoiled fish, rotten fruit, and crumbly foundations. 
And how often do our words smell like spoiled fish or taste like mushy, rotten fruit? And it's not only speech, it's, it's our attitudes. I mean, you've seen it happen. There's a, there's a process that Paul is talking about here. It begins with bitterness, right? Somebody hurt us and we get a little sour. And then instead of dealing with the sourness, we, we actually cultivate it so it grows. And soon our sour spirit blossoms into wrath, which is simply outbursts of emotion. The rage leads to anger. The difference in the Greek being the addition of a desire for revenge or punishment. And as anger grows like a cancer, we find ourselves given to quarreling. Next comes slander, the spreading of rumors, talking behind backs, our bitter, sour spirit ultimately leads to malice, ill will, a decision to make them pay for what they've done. And you know what? They may deserve it, but Paul says, be generous. Instead of giving them what they deserve, be kind and compassionate, be generous with grace, forgive freely like Jesus forgave you. So again, just take a moment and ask God to bring to mind the person in your life to whom he wants you to be generous. God, would you bring to mind the person who doesn't deserve what you want to give them through me? Bring to mind the person that I'm bitter towards. I don't know about you, but I go through a list like this, integrity, generosity, (laughs) anger, And I start wondering, do do I really even have what it takes to be a significant person for anyone? Erwin McManus tells a story of impact. He he was of significance. He was at a a beach in Florida. He was there with his 10-year-old son at that time, Aaron. And there had been a storm. The waters were rough, and there's a lot of debris up on the beach. Erwin and his son decided to take a walk down to the water And there were hundreds of people just walking on the beach. And as they walked down the steps from the hotel to the beach, to his right, Erwin saw this man who had no legs. Somehow he had taken his crutches and worked his way to the water, touched the water, had turned back around and was working his way back up the beach with his crutches. And just as Erwin noticed him, this guy slipped off his crutches and fell over in the sand. It had happened kind of fast. He pulled himself back up, took another step, fell over again. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people, but it was like this guy was invisible. Erwin saw him, just like we've seen people in the margins, out of the corner of our eyes, and and then we look away. I've done it more times than I can count, all sorts of reasons. As Erwin stepped down the steps, he saw the man to his right, and, and, and he turned to the left, and he said, come on, Aaron, let's go over here. So he started walking to his left, away from the guy. And all of a sudden, little 10-year-old Aaron pulled on his hand and said, Dad, I have to go over there and help that man who doesn't have any legs. When he said those words, it just kind of cut through Erwin's heart. He, He could hardly even respond, couldn't move. He was so ashamed. And he said, okay, Aaron, then go help him. So Aaron ran across the beach. The guy had fallen again. He picked up his crutches and he tried to pick the man up. But he couldn't. The man was too thick and Aaron was too thin. And and as he struggled to pick him up, the crowd saw Aaron trying to do this. And and they ran over and picked the guy up, got his crutches, and carried him back to the hotel. Aaron came running running back to to his dad, tears in his eyes. And he said, Dad, I, I couldn't help him. I wasn't strong enough. Erwin said to his son, don't you get it, buddy? 
None of us were willing to help him. We all pretended like he wasn't there. But when you moved, when you stepped into that moment with God for all of us, you caused us to move. You know what? None of us can do it on our own. We're not enough, but I believe that there's something that stirs in our hearts, something that inspires, that that breathes life into our weariness, our monotony, something within us that says, I want to be like that. I want to live like that. I want to be significant in someone's life. And yet so often at best, we feel like little Aaron. We aren't strong enough to get the job done. So we avert our eyes and walk away or, or we try and we feel like failures. Or maybe we feel like the guy with no legs. We're just broken. And how can we ever become someone of significance? How can we ever become someone who is good when we're as broken as we are? And all I can say is this, you have been called by God. You are his masterpiece, shaped by him for a life of significance. From the very beginning of time, he decided that he was going to shape you along the same lines as his son. And what he starts, he finishes. He is God. He loves you, and he loves to work through our brokenness. Father God, I pray that you would you would give this encouragement to every person listening by your spirit right now in this moment. For all those who feel broken, for all those who feel like they're not enough, for all those who feel like they they haven't done what they should have done in order to be a person of significance, to make a difference in someone's life, would you give them, would you encourage them, would you give them the the whisper of your spirit that says, "I'm, I'm not done with you yet. And if you allow me to work in your heart, you will become a person of significance, a person who makes an impact in others. God, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do in us so that you can do so much through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.